0: Hi, a great day to you once again. I am your host, Dale Bader, and it's time for another edition of Focus on Fertility. And we're joined today with Dr. Genghis Ginikoulou, and he is a specialist with regards of genetics. And we're going to really talk about a topic that uh, is kind of becoming new and ex- uh, more exposed than what it has been over the last 12 months. And if you've been down the journey already and have gone through in vitro fertilization or IVF, or maybe you're just now starting to go down that road, you may be becoming more familiar with a term called pre-implantation genetic screening or PGS testing. And there is some new data that is being able to be extracted called mosaicism. And we're going to learn more about what mosaicism is today. And in the future, in the real near-term future, we're going to have a podcast specifically addressing pre-implantation genetic screening in its entirety. Dr. Genghis Genkula is a co-founder and laboratory director of iGenomics. He earned his Ph.D. from Istanbul University in Turkey in genetics. He has joined a pioneer research group led by Dr. Luca Cavelli who is a world-renowned geneticist in tracking the genetic history of Mankind at Stanford University in the Human Population Genetics Laboratory. His postdoctoral research involves a molecular analysis of human DNA sequence variation in human populations and SMP's discoveries on the Y chromosomes. Dr. Jengis joined Natera Gene Security Network in early 2007 to develop the first application in the world with new cutting-edge microarray technology To screen all chromosomes on early human embryos. He has also co authored numerous patient applications throughout his research and has numerous peer reviewed publications in respective scientific journals, including Nature, American Journal of Human Genetics, Human Genetics, Fertility and Sterility, and he has presented at many national and international conferences. He is a proud member of the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, ASRM, the American Association of Bioanalysis, and the Preimplantation Genetic Diagnosis International Society. So, first of all, welcome and thank you for joining us today, Dr. Genghis. Thanks for
1: the nice introduction, Dale. Thanks.
0: So, as earlier mentioned, we're going to go into more detail in a future podcast on PGS testing and what it truly involves. But for those who may not be quite familiar with what pre-implantation genetic screening is, can you give us just kind of a brief introduction to PGS testing?
1: Absolutely. So um, every embryos carries 23 pairs of chromosomes. Um, we get one copy from our dad and another copy is from our mom and that makes 46 chromosomes. Um, PGS is very powerful tool to screen embryos before the implantation to find out if there is any deviation from these 46 chromosomes. In other words, by doing PGS uh, pre-implantation genetic screening, we we'll look we we'll look at any possible gain or losses in any part of the chromosomes. We know that as women get older, there is a high chance of having miscarriage or baby with the severe birth defects or syndromes such as Down. Down syndromes or turn syndrome those are the very classical example for those events. Um, before uh, the testing was available, embryos were transferred based on only morphology, without knowing the genetic makeup of the embryos, which often result in universal unwanted outcome uh, such as implantation failures, miscarriage, or or baby uh, baby with a severe
0: birth defect. And with PGS testing, obviously, we're seeing an increase in success rates. Is that correct?
1: That's absolutely correct, yes. Because by looking at those chromosomes, and we can definitely identify if any chromosomes that has any problem in terms of gain and losses, um, and that will help us to increase the, the successful healthy pregnancy and also implantation.
0: And recently, over the last, uh, I'd say, 12 to 24 months, uh, as PGS even becomes more uh, readily available to more going through IVF, the term mosaicism has come about. And you can now see a mosaic score on some of these PGS results that come back. So what we really want to learn today is what is embryo mosaicism?
1: The the embryo mosaicism is by definition is to find more than one uh, distinct chromosomal count in an embryo. For example, if an embryo carries normal cells, along with another group of cells, let's assume that there is a gain on chromosome 21. Now, that means we're talking about mosaic embryos. Now, we have two different cell lines, normals and abnormal cell lines, which they are both are growing in the embryo. And this is what we call embryo mosaicism.
0: And how common is mosaicism in embryos?
1: So before I uh, actually answer this question, I want to talk about two main important compartments that is in embryo development. This is trophectoderm and inner cell mass. So, inner cell mass uh, will eventually give us rise to def- the definite structure of the fetus, which these cells eventually will be our organs, skins, and other types of distinct cells. From the other hand, trophectoderm is the outer covering of the cells that eventually forms the placental interface between mother and offspring. So, currently, uh, we test embryo mosaicism only from five cells that are biopsied from trophectoderm, assuming those five cells will represent the whole embryo. Um, a paper was published in 2010, which I was also one of the co-authors, shows that the concordance rate between inner cell mass and trophectoderm is very high, with as high as 96.1%. So, just to answer your question, how common uh, the mosaicism in the embryo is, uh, most of all, Current published papers on embryo mosaicism are mainly based on few cells that are biopsied from embryos and not necessarily looking at individual cells in an embryo to look at the real rate of embryo mosaicism as a whole. Um, so a recent paper that uh, published based on embryo biopsy uh, from trophectoderm shows that the embryo mosaicism could be as high as 17%. But our internal data has shown that the embryo mosaicism isn't as high as we think, assuming that the few cells that are removed from terfectoderm will represent uh, the whole embryo. And currently, our mosaicism rate in our laboratory at iGenomics is in between 5 to 7%. So it is not that, in fact, high, but still, actually, those are exist.
0: And so when somebody come, gets a PGS report back and it says that it's mosaic, what does that mean? Uh, is, is, there, is that a bad thing, a good thing, or, or what should be done?
1: Exactly. So it's a really great question. So when, we, when a patient received or physician received a mosaic reporting, um, that means this embryo is not normal and not abnormal. It is kind of like in between. Uh, it is really hard for a patient or the physician to decide what to do with those. Um, but embryo mosaicism depends on the chromosomes. Um, with the proper genetic consultation, patient may consider to transfer those embryos because we know that there are some chromosomes can be really uh, have a high implantation potential. And those are probably will not be recommended for transfer, such as trisomy 21, trisomy 18, and uh, and any problem on the chromosome 16 and X and Y. Those are the ones that, uh, unfortunately, those are viable chromosomes. Any mosaic, any mosaicism on those chromosomes may have a live and unwanted uh, outcome uh, for the patient. Um, but there are some other chromosomes, even though um, they can be, still have an implantation potential, but compared to those five chromosomes that I just mentioned, could be relatively uh, safer transfer compared to those five. Um, those are could be chromosome one, chromosome three, chromosome four. Um, so at the end of the day, there is no really actually safe transfer, and uh, any of those chromosomes can still have implantation potential, and at the end, either uh, it may result in an implantation failure or miscarriage. So unfortunately, there is no really straight answer for those embryo mosaic embryos. And uh, again, the, the short answer is when you have a mosaic embryos, they are not normal and not abnormal. It's unfortunately, in between, and you may have all different kind of like outcome, including even the healthy pregnancy or the worst ad- outcome would be implantation with the severe birth defect.
0: So unfortunately, it's not truly a black or white situation. Mosaicism is in the gray.
1: Unfortunately, yes, that's the, that's the short answer.
0: And is, is across the, the, the research and across the different uh, uh, consensus amongst the different labs and geneticists, is there a consensus on what makes an embryo mosaic or are there different categorizations or is everything pretty uniform now? So,
1: um, obviously during the embryo development, um, the cells in ideal way, they supposedly develop normally and, um, um, and they should actually develop all the way to the implantation. Um, but in some cases in some stage, no one knows when, which stage and um, some of the cells may start to develop abnormally. And, and we don't know exactly what is the reason causing those cells to start to develop abnormally. Um, and at the end, um, depends on which part of the embryos were taken for the analysis, uh, we will be only getting results based on what we receive to our laboratories. So, for instance, like as I mentioned, we have trophectoderm and ICM inner cell mass is something that no one wants to touch because those are eventually going to be our organs and skins and hairs. Uh, so, um, they're going to be distinct uh, uh, specific uh, uh, roles in the in the in the body. Uh, so that's why when we get those like few cells in trophectoderm, we always assume that that will represent the whole embryo. Um, again, although we don't know the real mechanism why those mosaicism happens in an embryo but um, this is actually the biology and uh, those are actually have been around since the first human being in the earth
0: Do you see any upcoming research that uh, is going to change uh, the way the mosaicism is looked at uh, in the near term or do you think we're, we're pretty well getting a, a cusp of a handle on this
1: um, currently, uh, we have uh, limited uh, uh, technology that will allow us to be able to kind of get an idea about the whole embryo mosaicism. Um, we always try to actually explain to the physician or the patient that uh, we are only depend on only the few cells that are removed from the and we assume that those few cells will represent the whole embryo, which it does most of the time. But there are five percent. Uh, that may not also represent the whole embryo, which unfortunately may cause false positive or false negative. So the current technology is only allow us to look at fief cells from trophectoderm to get an idea about the whole embryo. Um, But I think um, soon enough, um, we will have a better technology that we will be looking not fief cells only from trophectoderm, but in embryos, maybe a culture where... That some of the cell-free DNA will be floating in the culture media, that will have a better representation of the whole embryo, including inner cell mass and trophectoderm, that will give us a better idea about whole embryo mosaicism rather than just few cells just taken from trophectoderm. Um, but currently, all our knowledge is based on trophectoderm biopsy, which is invasive, and and those cells we always assume that will represent the whole embryo.
0: And on kind of a final thought from my perspective: What advice do you have for patients and doctors right now, uh, for both sides, uh, for dealing with mosaicism?
1: So, um, based on published risk published paper, if there's um, a lot of data is right now is currently available that shows that the, the mosaic embryo could implant. And may have healthy baby at chance. Although I, I, kind of stated that 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 uh, that uh, I have this, this statement, but um, some of the mosaic calls that are made um, may not necessarily actually truly mosaic embryos, and it could be somehow an artifact from the testing model that the laboratories are using. So we're still in very early stage uh, to comment anything. Um, most of the published papers that are currently um, showing that mosaic embryos implants plants have a healthy pregnancy, or in some cases, they have a miscarriage. But even though there is a small percentage, which I would say about 30% of the mosaic embryos are still implants and have a healthy pregnancy, uh, we still do not know actually any follow-up from the born baby to, to, to do actually follow-up testing on the born uh, mosaic embryo transfer. So again, it's very early stage to really kind of to comment anything about embryo mosaicism and the transfer and to look at the uh, about the whether or not the babies are healthy, because those embryo transfer, um, mosaic embryo transfer just recently started, and probably all the the transfer that has done so far, very few of them is already have a live birth that we can do follow up testing with those. Um, But again, those are an option for the patient. And if the patient has nothing to transfer um, other than those mosaic embryos, with the proper counseling, and there might be an alternative option for the patient to consider for transfer, knowing that there is always a risk um, with the implantation failure or miscarriage, or maybe the great outcome would be with healthy pregnancy.
0: So, maybe yet one other bit of hope for those who've been down a long journey.
1: That's correct. That's
0: correct. Dr. Jengis, do you have any other thoughts or comments you'd like to make?
1: Yeah. So generally I would say um, we actually, uh, um, at the moment, uh, we are in the golden uh, era uh, for embryo testing. Uh, we screen embryos with rudimentary testing technologies that allow us to screen embryos for just black and white, knowing that nothing is black and white in biology and there is always in gray area. Now, with current cutting edge technology, such as next generation sequencing platform, and combination of, hopefully, the future technology, which is called cell-free DNA from uh, embryo culture media, uh, will have more accurate and more reliable techniques that will allow the patient and physician uh, to have a better informed decision when it comes to uh, to transfer mosaic embryo.
0: Well, Dr. Genghis, I, this has definitely helped me better understand this whole world of mosaicism, and I'm hoping that uh, it definitely helps uh, enlighten those of you that are listening today, and uh, whether you're a physician or a, uh, some other clinician or definitely the patient base, And we appreciate you taking the time out today, and we look forward to hearing back from you as uh, more research uh, regarding this and other PGS topics come along if you don't mind. Thank you. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. If you've been trying to start your own family and haven't had success, you're not alone. Millions of people just like you are experiencing the same very personal and painful frustration. Infertility affects men and women equally. The Missouri Center for Reproductive Medicine, MCRM Fertility, can help. MCRM accepts most insurance and you don't need a referral. They offer the most advanced science and technology, including exclusive techniques and the embryoscope. Check them out at MCRMfertility.com. Thank you to Dr. Jengis from iGenomics for joining us today and talking about a very complicated subject. Uh, I know if, if you've not yet gotten to the stage in your fertility journey where you may be talking pre-implantation genetic screening. This may have been uh, kind of out there, but it definitely is where a lot of the research in PGS testing has been in the last couple of years, and we wanted to make sure that the latest information with one of the experts was shared with you. So we hope that uh, it was helpful for you. And again, we are going to sit down with a special counselor that deals with pre-implantation genetic screening in the upcoming future to really discuss uh, pgs as well as pre-implantation genetic diagnosis which is pgd the difference and how it can be beneficial so be sure to be uh, following us each week for that upcoming podcast remember you can listen to all of our previous podcasts by visiting us on the World Wide Web at FocusOnFertility.net or any of our podcast partners such as iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio Network, and Podcast One. And on those podcast partners, you can also follow us so that you don't miss out on any of the podcasts that are brought to you each and every week. And if you have questions, whether it's concerning today's podcast or any of our previous podcast, or you may even have a specific topic that you would like to hear covered in more detail, please reach out to me. Send me an email at questions at focusonfertility.net. Until next week, best of health to you, and we'll talk soon.